Hello and welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast, a place for real conversations about effective well-being for school staff. Today we're joined by secondary school PE teacher Chris Misselbrook. We connected with Chris during one of our well-being webinars when we invited those on the webinar to share any experiences they had had of meditation, he went on camera to talk about the effects this practice has had on him. I reached out to Chris afterwards and found that he would talk openly about his experience with burnout, how that led to him being signed off work, and what changes he has made to help him bounce back. Across the country, many of those who work in schools are struggling with their mental health. The latest teacher wellbeing index from Education Support found that stress has increased over the course of this year, with 62% of education professionals describing themselves as stressed. The report also found an increase in symptoms of poor wellbeing such as difficulty concentrating, insomnia and tearfulness. And finally, just over half of those surveyed have considered leaving the profession because of pressures on their mental and physical health, with many of those citing workload as the main reason for this. So it's in this context that I think having conversations like the one I had with Chris are really important, not only to reassure staff that they are not alone if they are struggling, but to offer some ideas of what has helped people return to the classroom following time away. During our conversation, we chatted about what led up to this point where Chris took time off and then dive into what helped him through this difficult period. I'm so grateful to Chris for taking the time to share his story in such an open and honest way, as well as offering practical bits of advice that can help. I hope you find this to be an empowering conversation about what we can do when we find ourselves in a situation where we are struggling. Please note, During this episode, my guest and I discuss feelings of stress, anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. If you find conversations around this topic difficult, then I recommend you skip this episode for now and come back at a time that is more appropriate for you. Remember, if you are struggling, reach out to someone. Education Support provides mental health and wellbeing support services to all staff working in education. They have a free and confidential helpline 08000562561 and you can visit their website www.educationsupport.org.uk Today we're going to be talking about um, about your career Chris as a as a secondary school PE teacher um, but then kind of how it how it led to a um a more difficult period of, of your career where you did have to step out of the classroom for a while, didn't you? Yeah, um, you yeah. were signed off for a while. And, and we're going to talk about what led to that, the kind of the circumstances around it, um, how things played out at the time, but then out the other side of it, what, what has happened as well? You know, what did you put in place and um, what has been effective for you? Because now you are back in the classroom, aren't you? And you're back am, in the, yeah. or perhaps not back in the classroom, but back, uh, the classroom as well as the field and, yeah, and the hall and all those things. Sports always never the same, never the same exactly. place, um, from yeah, one lesson yeah. to the next. Yeah, but but you're you're back there at the same school as well. Yes, um, I am. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to 
to this conversation and and finding out more about your your whole journey and that whole story and how you came out the other side of it because i think first of all it's a really important conversation isn't it to to have um openly to be dis- discussing this kind of things um because we know there are many other um teachers tas other positions in school that are in a similar situation themselves but also it's really important because if we can talk about some of these things that you put in place that helped you and I would just absolutely love it if if just one person listened to that and thought right well I could try that and oh what if I you know use this small technique or this little bit of advice that that Chris mentioned and and that led to them feeling better and like and like they could um um you know stay in the profession because that's ultimately what we want isn't it we want the good passionate teachers to be in in school and and not feeling like they have to leave um leave the profession so I'm really looking forward to this. If we start, perhaps you could tell us a bit about your your background, your kind of route into teaching and your whole, you know, ambitions as as a teacher. Wow, yeah. Um, (laughs) So my route into teaching, well, teaching wasn't my, it wasn't what I sort of grown up wanting to do, uh, if you like. Uh, It was certainly an option and I, I did enjoy being at school myself and especially in PE. And doing physical education, did it at GCSE and A level, and I um, I did a sport and exercise science degree. So it was a real passion of mine. But I my first sort of career choice really was the uh, the military, and I sort of looked at a few different areas and um, settled on the Royal Navy. And I sort of went to university because I wanted to get a degree in education and uh, and then go into as an officer. Um, but then I I failed, if you like, at the first hurdle. There's psychometric tests that you have to do and sort of little intelligence tests. And I passed to go in at a rating level or in the army, it'd be a soldier. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go in as an officer. And so I, I, was allowed, I could reapply in 12 months, but... I um, I'd sort of decided not to and then did a year doing cover supervising in, in a few schools and really enjoyed that and then decided to apply to a PGC and PE and then got in sort of through through that way and really enjoyed it and then had my my first position at a school near Brighton in, um, in Shoreham, Shoreham Academy. And then I moved to... The school that I'm currently at now, which is the Angering School, in 2017, I think it was, mm-hmm. 2016. Um, so I was there for, I think, there for six, seven years and then, yeah, moved to the school I'm at now. I've been teaching for for 11 years, I think it is now. And, um, and yeah, you sort of, you said about ambition and that's a, mm. that's a really, really interesting question because I think off the back of not making the grade to get into the Navy, I I think it's fair to say I, I sulked a little bit, um, but I also wanted to prove myself because I had that sort of inner feeling of, of failure and I wanted to prove that I could be 
as successful as uh, I, you know anyone or more successful even though just becoming a teacher is hard enough and a really challenging job I you know I, I sort of set myself a, a, an ambition to become head of department before I was 30 so then everything which was just a really strange goal because I didn't really know what it was like to be a head of department I just decided that that's what I wanted to do and that would be a sign of success so I um, yeah I just sort of worked towards doing that sort of going for all the promotions that were possible and working my way up the ladder until I had the experience to apply um, for for the job and uh, I, I went for an internal job at Shoreham first of all and then didn't get it and then the year after went for an external head of department job at the Angling School, and uh, and I was successful, and I got that. But the we'll probably touch on it in a bit. But yeah. I think the um, that was a big part of my my burnout was the fact that I I, I achieved my goal, and then I was probably a bit lost because I had nothing to work towards because I didn't have an ambition to become an assistant head at that point. And, and I didn't really, I guess I, I was, un, I think the goal of becoming a head of department helped me with my journey in leading up to it. But then when I reached the goal, I was, yeah, I, I was lost because I, I sort of, didn't know what else to sort of do and it turns out that actually mm. being a head of department was a job that I, I didn't really enjoy doing I don't think I researched it enough and, and really thought about why I wanted to do the job it was yeah. just a goal that I set myself when I was 22 and therefore I was gonna damn well achieve that goal and and I did which is I guess I'm proud of because if you set your mind towards something and achieve it, that's a good thing. Mm. But it, it's, um, yeah, I've done a lot of reflection over goal setting over the last three years. And yeah, it's um, yeah, a very interesting concept. Definitely. And that's a, it's a good place to start, isn't it? Ambitions and, and goals. And like you said, reaching a goal and then realizing, oh, okay, well, what do I do now? And I think that's that's not just in teaching, is it? That is across society in many different professions. And yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and and a, a goal could be so many things. It could be, oh, well, I want to buy my own house by a certain age, or I want to own this car, or I want to um, be able to buy myself this certain brand of watch. I, I don't know what it is. But yeah, we, no, you're all, right. And, and a lot of the goals yeah. are quite right what you just said they're sort of materialistic things definitely yeah yeah and and it's so interesting because i think there's been a lot of research into this and how well reaching these materialistic goals doesn't actually make us happy does it no, make us no happier not at all. Uh, no <laughs> and, what, and what's interesting is how you can see that you know the, the, the happiness just very quickly returns to the the level that you were before um, reaching this this target, whatever it might have been. If you're saying, "Oh well, I'll be I'll be happy when I get my own house. Um, I'll be happy when I get promotion. I'll be happy when I buy this car," and then we are happy briefly, aren't we, when we've achieved that goal? But quickly it returns because it's not really it's not really addressing the root cause of perhaps our unhappiness it's not necessarily going to make us happy and that's been a 
that's been a bit of a revelation for me certainly in the last few years and then you the more you look into it into it it's it's a very it's very interesting goal setting (laughs) i'm um i'm gonna just read you a little a little well it's a quote but it's my own if you like from one of the blogs that i've written because it just is everything you just said goal setting is a fantastic tool to provide some direction in life's ever-changing story but don't hold on too tightly to the idea of achieving goals as a mark of a successful journey to find true happiness and satisfaction for life the love of the journey must be at the core of what it is to be successful because the accomplished feelings of achieving that goal is short-lived and normally swiftly rolls into formulating the next one. So you never really give yourself time to enjoy it, I guess. You you just go, right, I've achieved that, what's next? Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. Once you get the pay rise, then it's like, okay, well, actually I want a slightly more of a pay rise. I want a pay rise on top of my pay rise or... We get the new house, and oh, I quite fancy a, a bit of a bigger house now. Actually, <laughs> I've got used to this house, and now I want a bigger house. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's you just sort of and the house thing. I totally did that. Um, I bought my first house, and then I wanted a bigger one, and then I bought my second house. And after six months of living there, we put it back on the market because we we gained a bit of value. I wanted a bigger house. Um, we didn't sell it and we're still in it now and very happy but it's just that striving for more that it just you sort of the goal is always in the horizon and you and and there's the danger of never never meeting it yeah it's um it's exactly Exactly. Yeah. Like, like you said, goals are useful. And, and certainly we know that we can help ourselves and help other people by having goals, can't we? You know, we've got to set ourselves some kind of targets. Otherwise, we're not moving forward and we might not be you know, doing the best job. and We might not be serving other people in the best way that we can if, if we don't set ourselves some targets. But yeah, I think the, the realising that it's not the be all and end all and also um, getting to the bottom of your your kind of why behind the goal as well. Um, that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? If, if we say to ourselves, "Well, I, I want this car," well, why do I want why why do I want that car? Actually, um, because it will make me happy. Why will it make you happy? Why will that car make you happy? And if you can keep asking yourself the the why question, and at the end of it, you're happy with the answer, then then fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I think yeah, it's just it's just important to to get to the bottom of your why. I, I would say <laughs> they're, they're good. They're really powerful motivators, aren't they? Goals mm. like they do they they help to set the direction for your day to day living or your weeks, months, years. But yeah, unless you're, unless you, I guess it's the, yeah, it is, it's, you've nailed it. It's the why. It's why do you want to achieve that particular goal? Because professionally and personally, I used to set myself the most ridiculous goals just to sort of feel like I had to, uh, well, like the direction, keep the direction. Um, fitness goals are interesting. I know you're into your fitness as well, and my I, I used to run um, quite a few 10ks, and I set myself. And I'm quite a, a big chap. I'm over 100 kilos, and um, sort of 
played rugby and then I gave up rugby because of uh, getting too many injuries and started running 10Ks. And I set myself a goal of running a 45-minute 10K, which for some people is is quite achievable, but for a, a big not hundred kg guy, yeah. And I'm doing myself a disservice, really, because I'm a hundred and five, maybe six kgs at the moment. So, and I'm always putting around that. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it because I'd sort of round one, and I was like, right, I'm going out training to get my time down. And I remember my wife um, when I told her this. I was like, yeah, I think I can totally do it. She was like why yeah why <laughs> why do you want to do it what happens when you achieve it and it was that, that I still wanted to do it afterwards but I, I I still remember that conversation and I was like it's it's because I just want to do it and prove to everyone yeah. that I can do it and it was and it was literally that it was proving to yeah. everyone and I and myself that I could do it and if I then achieved that goal then I'd be successful and if i'm successful mm. i'd be happy and yeah. of, of course that's um quite a famous uh, thing by um sean sean aker i, I think you're familiar with some of sean mm. Aker's work aren't you and yeah. it's such a classic misconception isn't it about working hard to be successful and if you're successful then you'll be happy um, absolutely totally. and what you mentioned before about um proving it to other people that that is um another aspect of, of all of this isn't it yeah who, who are we doing this for we, we say we're doing it for you know to prove to ourselves but actually is it so that we can post that photo or that screenshot of our time on social media which i have done definitely in the past and still do do um yeah, yeah just to, so uh, look, look what i can do now yeah and actually who, who what is the purpose of that who am i doing it for i'm not not sure sometimes and, and definitely need to to recalibrate every so often but um it was it was just over a year ago now that i set myself a target of, of running a half marathon barefoot <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of an interesting one, wasn't it? But um, I mean, I it, it it was I worked up to it. I trained for it, um, and you know, eventually did. I did the Birmingham. I did actually two half marathons in the space of um, six days um, with, with no shoes on, both barefoot. <laughs> and but what was so good about it was I didn't set myself uh, a time it wasn't like I wanted to to run fast I didn't want to do the half marathon in a certain time I just wanted to go out there and enjoy it and have a big smile on my face and that was kind of you know just over a year ago that was one of my kind of revelations to to not take myself so seriously when exercising and what better way to not take yourself too seriously than run around with no shoes on and and it was the most fun I've had running a half marathon, which to some people they might say is fun. What? <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it, it was like I was running on air. Uh, you know, my, my partner, Julia, was waiting at me, waiting for me about halfway with a pair of trainers just in case um, I'd got into trouble and needed to slip them on. But I just ran almost straight past her, you know, gave her a quick hug, but it was like, no, I feel... I just felt absolutely amazing because I, it wasn't like I was looking at my watch. Oh, I've got to run faster. I just wanted to enjoy the experience of really feeling completely in the moment because there's nowhere else you can be. You're thinking about your, your feet hitting the, 
the kind of the stony um, gravel, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit of a, a feeling, but also the amount of people that are in the uh, line in the street saying, oh, you've forgotten your shoes, <laughs> things <laughs> like that. Yeah, I was nowhere else but just completely in the zone and, and enjoying myself. That that's great though. I I think that's um that's really interesting in in terms of running. I I, I as I said, I used to run for times, and I was very bound and um, sort of locked into time and pace and goals and and I was always running with music because I realised I didn't really like running, so I listened to loud music to try and drain out the feeling of running which is completely bizarre and it and i know we we haven't really spoke yet much about um my my sort of burnout story but when i was signed off from work i asked myself why almost well at least every day and, and found some really interesting answers one of them was um yeah why why do i run <laughs> and and my response was I don't know because I don't like it. <laughs> and, and then I decided to go out for a cross-country run, sort of a trail run over the South Downs. And we live in the south of England. And I didn't have any music. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to even wear a watch. And I just uh, I brought a mobile phone for safety, but sort of put it away in a rucksack in my bag. I had some water. But I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move. I remember saying to myself, I'm not gonna call it running. I'm just gonna call it moving. Because if I want to walk, I'll walk. If I want to run, I'll run. If I want to stop, I'll stop. I just, I think it was the start, starting point of me taking ownership and control over my life. I think it was a bit of a metaphor for that, really. And I, I ran, and I, I ran for two hours, and I did walk parts of it. And I, I wasn't particularly fit, and it wasn't particularly fast running, but I just just ran over the South Downs for two hours, and it was with no music. Just start. I, I guess that was the start of the start of my journey uh, in practicing sort of um, mindfulness as well, without even really knowing because I was taking in the environment around me and it's not too different to what you were saying about about your sort of barefoot running and and it was so liberating to just release myself from the constraints of a goal in terms of running and just enjoy it like you said and and it's brilliant I, I love it I love running now um, and yeah it was just a really interesting switch in in my approach to life as not do something because I felt I should do it, do it because I want to do it. Yeah, yeah, do it for the pure enjoyment. That is such an interesting point and I can completely relate as well. I don't run with music for, for that reason as well. Um, I just want to be where I am, where, wherever it is. I'm just going to be there and, and not kind of distracting my mind. It's, it's fascinating isn't it how we all of these things we're kind of outsourcing i think all the time aren't we if even even exercise we're not doing it for the enjoyment of being outside or for um you know connecting with people if we maybe go for a run or do a workout with people it's always kind of it's about something else all the time it's about the time that we're getting or the, the weight that we're lifting and, and we've got to have the certain 
gear on, haven't we, and look a certain way and share a photo about it afterwards. We've kind of lost Have touch. Before and after pics of your sort of yeah. workout, uh, oh. six weeks and, and then how much fitter exactly. you are. And yeah, it's... yeah, again, why? Yes, you, you might look different in that photo six weeks later, but do you feel better? That That's the important thing, isn't it? No, no photo can can tell you or anyone else whether you feel better inside. And, yeah, that absolutely, completely, completely agree. I was literally agree. thinking about that yesterday because I'm not going to the gym at the moment, because although they're open, I don't want to risk getting um, a, a sort of cough or virus or something like that in order to sort of not be able to have the Christmas I want. So um, so I did a little workout at home, and I, and I was like, actually, I, I didn't, I did some circuits and I was like, I'm not going to plan it. I'm just going to set my timer on and then just change the exercise that I'm doing. And, and, and then afterwards I just felt so good. And I was like, actually, it's not about what you do, where you go, how you plan it, whether you're working core, whether you're doing arms, back, legs, enjoy. It's just about how you feel. And if a walk makes you feel better, then just go for a walk. And it's, and, and if a byproduct of that is being toned or being um, having good en- endurance to run marathons, then fantastic. But I think that, that that's got to, certainly in my mind, I'm trying to change the way I think and the, the sort of byproduct is, is uh, achieving fitness goals and the purpose is to feel good and great about myself. Yeah, yeah. And we try and promote this through Teach Strong, this message, actually. You know, if you, if you don't like running, then don't sign up to Couch to 5K. Because I know, you know, social media, you can see a lot of that. There's there's people signing up to it because they think that's the the only option. Yeah, oh, well, I want to lose weight. I want to feel better. So everyone else is doing Couch to 5K. So that must mean I've got to do Couch to 5K. Or I've got to go to the gym because that's what people do. And I should wake up at 5.30, get to the gym, train really hard, do a spin class, maybe do something after work as well. And I think. Well, I don't. We're just we're just concerned, aren't we, that people have lost touch with well, what what really matters. And what really matters is is our happiness, and and yes, our health and exercise is a, is a really important component to that. But exercise that you enjoy that that's if you enjoy it, then you're going to do it for a long time, aren't you? We we say do something that you can see yourself still doing when you're 80 years old. If you enjoy it, then you can see that you're still going to be doing it in the future. And that will mean that you will stick to it and you'll be doing it for months and years to come. And in that way, you'll enjoy all the amazing benefits of it. So I, uh, I think we've taken a bit of a detour here. Oh, we? I know. I Not know. that it's a problem. We'll circle back round to that then, won't we? Because we, we were talking about your background and the start of your career and, and these ambitions. But then... Uh, now, with hindsight, you look back and think, well, why did I have those ambitions? And perhaps they weren't, you know, really what you wanted. You thought they would make you happy, but they, looking back, perhaps, uh, well, not perhaps, but, you know, that, they weren't going to make you happy. And so I suppose we're at the the point now where um, things started to get more difficult, am I right, in that you, you got the job as head of PE? Um, so you'd, you'd achieve that goal. Um, and so what then kind of happened? What was going on at that time? And what do you think was 
was going on that led to feeling burnt out and and having to take some time off work yeah so i got appointed in the summer and then started the role in january i think it was january 2017 it's sort of quite vague now looking back and I tell you, anyone who's suffered from burnout listening to this will know what I mean because it, it's you sort of live in a bit of a daze but um no it, I tell you what it was my daughter was born in 2016 in the June I got I interviewed for the job four days after she was born um and then I started it in January 2017 so uh, mm. yeah, nearly four years ago now I started as head of department and put so much pressure on myself to be the perfect leader because I'd, I'd been on a leadership course and I'd learned all the leadership theories and how to lead a perfect team and was trying to um, bring the team together using all these theories and uh, yeah it was really interesting I would plan for department meetings and get everything on powerpoint slides and get everyone together work out a shared vision because every text says that that's really important and looking back now, I, I, I had loads of really good ideas, but I was too frightened to bring them in because I, I didn't want to be too authoritarian as a leader. But actually looking back, I, I should have just gone in, brought in a few things and then pushed those through and then develop conversation with staff Um because uh, that's what they wanted, really. And I, but I didn't ask them. I didn't sort of sit down and have individual conversations with them to find out anything about them. I, I think I was sort of too worried about being the perfect leader that I didn't relax and just just be myself. And and so that that sort of went on. And there was um, there was lots of things that I was supposed to be doing that I personally didn't really enjoy doing. Uh, things like running sport organizing and running sports days and running uh, the school organized the area athletics competition and that was the head of department's responsibility historically and i wasn't doing the the things that i love doing which was sort of key stage four gcse and um sort of btech creating um curriculums assessing data so I, I, the job although I was head of department my sort of responsibility in addition to running the department were things that I wasn't very good at didn't have much experience in and didn't really enjoy so instead of sort of getting the subject leader or the people in charge of all the key stage three key stage four and sixth form together and going right this is this is my skill set this is what I'd like to do what do you think does anyone want to change what they're doing I just sort of shoehorned it in. Um, so I was doing things I didn't really enjoy. I was putting so much pressure on myself. I had a, um, when I started, a, a six-month-old child at home. My wife, bless her, she, um, she was going through postnatal depression. She won't mind me speaking about that. And she was losing her sense of professional identity because she was a deputy head at the time and then... Uh, was doing really really well she's a head teacher now and going on maternity leave she lost a sense of self and and that was a big um 
contributed to her postnatal depression. So she was struggling and I was having all this pressure put on me and it was just building and building. And I was working so many hours. I think I worked out one, once I was working 60 hour weeks and, and I still wasn't prepared. It was, it was, uh, just un, unsustainable really. And it wasn't until I was sort of, I made it to the summer holidays and then went back in the September and wasn't really enjoying the job, starting to get quite anxious and depressed. And well, not that I knew this was how I was, or what I was experiencing at the time, but I'd be sitting at my desk trying to, in my free lessons and trying to work out what I needed to do. And, and I was just sort of struggling to order my thoughts. And then it got so bad that I was just broke down in tears with my wife in in October. It was after we went back after the October half term, and and just on actually I knew things weren't right when I went I went camping with one of my best friends to organise my another one of our best friends stag do. We were best men for him, and I didn't enjoy it. I was camping. I love camping. I didn't really enjoy it. And I came back, my wife asked me if I had a good time, obviously expecting me to go, oh yeah, it's amazing. We did this because we went paddle boarding as well. We, um, and I love, love sort of outdoor sports and paddle boarding. And I came back and I was just a bit flat. I was like, yeah, it's all right. And, and then went back to school after that and I came home and I just cried and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And at that point, my wife had already been diagnosed with postnatal depression and was on antidepressants and feeling a bit better. I was like, go to the doctor, um, which I did. Classically, sort of sat down with the doc and, uh, <laughs> and said, before I start, I don't want you to sign me off. Then told her how I was feeling. And she then diagnosed me with burnout and said, you know, have you heard of this? Read this. Gave me the, a leaflet for, a, I think it's a local charity here in, in Sussex called Time to Talk. It's, it's um, NHS based, but it's um, it's mental health sort of services for people and, and you ring them and, and tell them how you feel. And and that was fine. And spoke had an appointment with her and, and decided that I was going to work more. So I worked on the weekends to ensure that my teaching was sorted for the week. So I was now working even more hours and I was starting to cope better. I think I, I didn't get better. I was coping better. And it, that sort of went on, I guess, until Christmas time. And I, I she gave me some um, antidepressants as well, um, prescribed me, which I started taking. And then I did start to feel better. And then after Christmas had the Christmas break and had a bit of a holiday New Year with some friends, which was great. And I just wasn't really enjoying the job, and I just felt I was really stressed and well burnt out. And uh, I was open with people that I'd been to the doctors and that I was on antidepressants at the time, and my friends and family were were really really supportive. But I, I remember talking with one of um, one of my good friends. He, he's called Ben, and he's he's a mechanic and it was really interesting because he I was talking to him about how I felt about my job and I wasn't really enjoying it but and he just looked at me he was like why are you doing it and and it was just a really wise comment that he made and he he won't I've never I've this I'll tell him to listen to this actually I I 
because um, I've not really said to him how much of an impact that had on me. And so if, if I don't like doing a job or working for someone, I just leave. And he's like, I, and he used to tell us about how he, he, he used to do um, services on diggers and then drive them all around the fields and have a great time, which he probably shouldn't do, but he had a great time and he, he loved it. And he said, I just enjoy my job, whatever I'm doing, and I just love it. And I thought, actually, you're, you're right. Why am I doing this job? But then in my mind thought, I was in my head I was trapped. And I th- if anyone's listening to this and has gone through this, they will definitely, or they might you know, be able to relate to this feeling of, of being trapped, feeling that I had to. I, it was bringing in the money for my family and paying the bills. And I sort of thought, I, I've, I can't not do it. I have to. But then... I went back into work and the anxiety that I had um, was just horrendous. I remember I was, we we went back on a Thursday, I think, after Christmas. And then on the Friday, and I, I went back on the Thursday and I, I wasn't feeling great. And on the Friday, went into school and drove past the school gates, went into a local housing estate and just pulled up in a lay-by and just cried and then phoned, phoned my mum and and she was sort of sweet. And then I ended up sort of getting into school and sort of dusted myself down, if you like, and put on the brave face as people do when they're, they're struggling with mental health problems and got through the day and my teaching day sort of finished at lunchtime I think I was teaching sixth form and I the lesson finished the kids left and I just just rang my mum and she was like you're right love and I had no idea why I rang her I, there was no purpose to it and she's like do you want to come come home babe come home and and I did and I just literally left the school made up some um, rubbish about my daughter being ill and I had to go home and my wife wasn't I think my wife my wife was back at, at working at that point so I, I had to go and pick her up from childcare and made my excuses left went went back home and then on Monday I made an appointment to go to see the doctor um, and I sat down and I just said to the doctor I've tried it my way doc what do I need to do? Um, and it, but it was, it was, it was, it was horrendous because the, on the Sunday before I went to the doctors on the Monday, on the Sunday, I, I was working upstairs cause I had to finish doing some mock papers, uh, marking some mock papers. And, this is when I just knew it was awful because my mum my and dad came round for a roast dinner and I was like, I've just got to go upstairs, I've got half an hour's worth of work to do and then I'll be down. And I went up to mark these mock papers and I just sat on the spare bed and was just rocking. And I, I just rocked for half an hour and I didn't know I was rocking for half an hour until I caught myself rocking and looked at my watch and I'd lost half an hour and I was like, oh my gosh and going through my mind was I can't do this anymore I cannot live my life the way that I'm living I I'm letting everybody down I'm not a good father I'm not a good husband I'm not a good head of department what am I good at what's my worth 
I'm not worthy of of, of this life. And there, after those thoughts, I tried to present myself with some options of how to prevent um, feeling this way. And and an option that I presented was suicide. Um, instantly disregarded it. But so I, it's, I don't know if I, I don't think I ever thought about taking my own life. I just presented that to myself as an option. And, but then that instantly became, no, we're not there yet. Let's, what else? Uh, but, but yeah, that was, that was awful. Um, but yeah, I just went downstairs and everyone, everyone then thought half an hour later, great. He's done his marking. And, um, my, my mum, bless her god bless her soul um just looked at me and i just cried and she just cuddled me and was like you're not going back um and so the doctor signed me off for for four weeks which i was quite shocked at and at that point then i was worried about all my classes everything all the leadership stuff that i had and took a couple of days to square that away and i did mark my papers and sent the results in but once i did that and knew then that i had three and a half weeks of not waking up feeling sick about going in and having to teach and having to plan and having to lead the department and having to go to all these meetings about stuff that I didn't really care about, but I had to be in these meetings and then being told what I then had to make my department do, but even though I didn't really believe in it. um, Yeah. When I knew that I didn't have to do that, I was, it was amazing. Um, And then started therapy with time to talk because the irony of it was before even though I got given the sort of leaflet to call them in October between October and then January I didn't have time to call them I didn't perceive that I had time I was I couldn't call them during the school day and after school because I was working and then the evenings and weekends I was being a dad and there was just no time but of course there was I just couldn't see it and no one was I felt no one really was was helping me um and it was yeah it was it was horrendous and it was a really really dark place and it just it just started with you know looking at it now it started with this goal of being successful and then things just misaligning and and then the wrong time and being a a dad and trying to do all these things and putting pressure on myself and um yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. But then when I signed off, I started therapy and just started asking myself, like we were talking about earlier, these why questions of why, why do I feel, why have I got like this? And it, it, it was, you know, a lot to do with trying to impress, I guess, seek approval from other people in, in most things, I think that I, I did in my life. And, and then once I realised that, I felt I could start to move forward in trying to find strategies to um, overcome that, however difficult that was. And I think the Darren Brown had recently written a book called Happy. And my, my dad recommended it to me because he saw him on Breakfast TV being interviewed. And he was... Um, I, I bought it and started reading it. And that's where I started to read about stoicism and ancient Greek philosophy. And lots of what they were saying was back then was just 
really resonated with me and sort of over trying to control so much and worrying about everything that was outside of my control, trying to impress other people, trying to do things that I thought were right, but I didn't really enjoy them, but I wanted to do them because I thought it would make other people happy and, and get that approval from other people and then they'd like me more and then that would be, you know, it's all a minefield of sort of psychology that I know that I'm not on my own in, in this and so many people feel this way even if they're not aware of it and it yeah I started to sort of feel better and um yeah I just then started reading and um learning about positive psychology and that's when I started meditating downloaded the app there's loads of different apps but the first one I downloaded which was recommended to me by my therapist was was Headspace and it was just so easy that he just speak, talks you through guided meditation. And, I, you know, I started meditating and I've never looked back. And I think reading happy and then starting to meditate were two things that were a real savior for me. And, um, yeah, I got close to then the four weeks and then my anxiety spiked again and went back to the doctors who, as soon as I sat down, he was like, you need more time and um, he signed me off for another four which was fantastic it just gave me that space to really rebuild my mind and and look after my what I sort of now think of as is mind fitness we've sort of spoken you and I off air about that before haven't we and and yeah just rebuilt and then when I went back into school it was agreed that there, there, there was someone else who was uh, stepped in to do the head of department role and he was doing a fantastic job and I went back and um, I agreed that he would continue to do that for another year and then after that time if I wanted to I could retake the role um, but that year expired and I was like no way um, because we, he was doing it and I was effectively doing what we he sort of was instrumental in sort of rejigging the department responsibilities and I was then um, put to a second department role and do, um, doing uh, sort of responsible for key stage four so all GCSE outcomes and um, designing the curriculum for GCSE and was BTEC, but I changed that to a course called Sports Studies, which I thought fitted our students um, learning better. And yeah, I just I loved it. I started doing the job that I really wanted to do, and I released myself from all these unnecessary goals and expectation, and read more about stoicism, practicing meditation, and yeah, that I think. And now we're um, quite a few years on. I think this is sort of four years in January it would be four years since I was signed off and I just now I guess well not now when I when I when I went back when when I went back I I wanted to make a difference to other people I I did some training in school well I, I spoke about my story in a little 15 minute forum about burnout and there was about 30 40 members of staff who came along and listened to it and and so many people afterwards were like, thank you so much for sharing. It's so brave. It's so courageous. And and I guess it is, if I look out, look at myself from an outsider's point of view, I do seem brave. I do seem courageous because I'm so happy to talk about 
my experiences but for me it's just the right thing to do and, and essential because I just don't, I, I don't want other people feeling the way that I did and and they will and that's always going to happen I think but trying to raise the awareness and you alluded to it right at the start if if one person listens to this podcast and thinks god yeah I feel a bit like that and then empowers themselves to go to the doctor to try and ask themselves a few why questions and get to the bottom of their purpose and realign themselves to feeling happier then then that's that's makes this this time that we've spent doing this worth it that's no absolutely and and I'll, I'll stop you there just to just to say that you know we really appreciate that at teach strong you taking the time to share um your story um absolutely and i think so many people will relate to those those feelings that you have been describing and i think there's a lot of power in that to begin with just that all right yeah there are other people feeling this way um but then also the 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 numerous factors that you talked about i think that's really important to get out there as well because um workload is is often cited as the 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 main cause or one of the biggest causes of your stress amongst teachers isn't it and and that's absolutely a factor but it's it's so good to hear that there are other things at play as well and and like you mentioned um we might not realize that those other things are at play and if this conversation has helped i don't know just a a little bit of a switch go off and oh yeah that what what chris said about my ambitions that that could be a factor actually and oh yeah what chris said about me worrying about or him worrying about what other people are thinking about him i do a bit of that and maybe that's why i'm not feeling so good at, at the moment so just a big thank you for for sharing that whole story your whole journey right from the the circumstances at, at the beginning that led to burnout but then how you came out the other side and and the fact that you're at the same school um and and happy again and doing the things that you enjoy and i think the point about that you you took a step back so you were ahead of you but now you've taken a step back you know in our culture in our society many people would look at that as um, a failure wouldn't they oh you, yeah, yeah. You, oh, you you've messed up then if you had to take a step back then you're a failure but it's just it's simply not the case isn't it because if you're happier now then that's that's a success surely that, that's, that's a success it's, i mean mm. my my school i've got to say have been and my my head teacher has they've all been so supportive of that's of amazing all the way through and i, I couldn't mm. be thankful enough because they yeah i'm just really really lucky um my my mum died this time last year on the 4th of december 2019 and i took a bit of time off there for mental health reasons i guess and i and they were just so supportive they were like don't my head teacher said to me because i did force myself to go back in and he said why are you here take as much time as you need we don't the conversation is done if you if you need a week take a week if you need three weeks take three weeks um he, he said don't take six um no he didn't say <laughs> but um but because of that because of the support when i then went back after mum dying in january i was literally on it everyone's like yeah. you're right I'm like, yeah i'm done i've dealt with my grief in a way uh, or dealing but um but i gave my mind the time it needed and yeah my yeah. school i'm so blessed because 
they're they're so supportive of all staff with things like that and yeah. um, and and that's i guess why i'm still there now because uh, i i value the the sort of leadership and and where they're they're, they're sort of allowing me really to explore mental health things they've, they've just agreed to put me through a training program to um, become a mental health first aid instructor oh fantastic yeah so not only will I be a mental health first aider, I'll be able to actually um, upskill everyone else in the school and be an instructor so we can develop a culture of mental well-being across the whole school, which is um, which I'm really thankful for. And that's where I'm trying to direct my energy now to yeah. to those to sort of mental well-being. That's brilliant. And yeah, like you mentioned about the the time frames, because there there are no time frames on these things, are there? It's kind it's kind of like, all oh, right, yeah, you've had two weeks, so it's fine now. Um, we're just all so different, aren't we? And I think you mentioned that you before after you'd initially be been signed off, then you, you had a bit more time, and it's like, well, you know, of course, because it could be a whole uh, a spectrum of the amount of time that someone would need, and if we're talking about um, addressing our mental health then you know it's not it's not a quick day fix is it these things can can take a lot of time and so it's it's so good to hear that your your school was understanding of that um, and also we know that um, in workplaces if if we trust our staff and if we kind of empower them as well then then they're going to be happier and they're going to stick around for longer aren't they and that's that's I think a, a big factor in in school staff well-being isn't it um, trusting huge, your staff uh, letting them make these decisions for themselves and yeah it's so, so it's difficult though, isn't it for senior leaders because yeah to they're they're bound by the performance measures in a way or they or they bind themselves to them um, mm. but the measure of success in a school is whether you are outstanding good or requires improvement that's ultimately what it comes down to um, if you look at it but it absolutely isn't it's about the culture whether the kids are happy staff are happy whether the kids are actually learning and um, and enjoying their learning and mm. I've certainly found a difference in my teaching when going back and I love my job more now than I've ever done in my entire time of teaching. And I'm such a better teacher for it because I actually yeah. love what I do. And there's, you and I both know in the teaching profession, there's so many teachers out there that actually aren't enjoying what they're doing, but they're still doing it and they feel stressed and they're still doing it. But instead of I think I think you can do the job without the stress if you release yourself from it a little bit and don't I don't know I, th I think a lot of teachers have the guilt the guilt factor of I feel I should be working I feel I, I was listening to a podcast last night um where um, Emma Can, who someone I connected with over Twitter, and she had a similar experience with me with burnout. And she was saying on, on this podcast that if she left school at five o'clock, people would say to her, oh, are you leaving early? Oh, and, and that, although that's just a flip away comment from someone that they probably don't mean anything by it, but that's so damaging. Yeah. And 
it's after getting in at seven o'clock in the morning, seven, you know, it's, I, I mean, how many staff get in at seven, seven thirty, and don't leave until four, five thirty? And if you top those hours up, that's, that's a lot more than we're contracted. No, um, and, and then they mark and plan or we mark and plan the weekend. But I say they, because I refuse to do it now. And, it, yeah. and yeah. I think it comes with my experience because I've been teaching for 10, 11 years. I'm a lot quicker and more efficient because I think there's some things in your first few years that when when you're talking about a subject or teaching something that you're not 100% confident with the knowledge of, you have to put those hours in, don't you? Mm-hmm. Just to uh, upskill yeah. yourself. And But as you go, there's still really experienced teachers that are taking work home and I, I just don't play that game anymore. I If I can't get it done at school, I, within reason, don't take it home. There are rare times where I do, but I could probably count those on my hand in the last sort of three years. And yeah. I think, well, I think that's because um, well, a culture has been created, hasn't it, where that's acceptable. And, yeah, if, you, if you're not doing that and you're not living up to these expectations, then that must mean that you're not, as good as a teacher but we know that that's just simply not the case and i think another big part of what a lot of people in this field are trying to do is is to empower um staff to just be more confident in themselves so if you hear a comment like that and we have got to be a bit um we've got to be compassionate towards these people that would make a comment like oh you're leaving early because you know that that's they've got an issue with themselves haven't they if they if they're making that comment that's it is something that it's an issue w- within them uh, and so really if we can actually yeah yeah and so if we can kind of treat them with, with compassion and, and understanding and we might do that by making a joke out of it or oh, i don't know maybe even just having a serious sit down with them yes i am leaving now and this is why um but if staff can feel more confident in their abilities and, and their decisions and knowing that yeah, if, if they get in a little bit later and leave a bit a little bit earlier, it doesn't mean you're any less of a teacher and you're not letting anyone down by doing that at all. Yeah, totally agree. And <laughs> even at uh, secondary, I I will if I can set my class up. Let's say um, sports studies, my sports studies class, where they might have an assignment and then they hand that assignment in. I do a bit of teaching and then they have some time to do their next assignment in exam conditions many teachers in that would say that the right thing to do is for the teacher to be walking around and double checking the computers and making sure they're okay answering questions etc i sit at the front and mark their first assignment so that i don't have to bring it home and and i just am so much more effective with my time and if i I just sort of squeeze every little bit out of it. And I encourage my staff to do that as well. And but so it's certainly my last school that would have deemed a bit frowned upon a little bit um, because you need to be there. I can't say what it would be now. I've not been there for a while, but um, it, I think you just got to be as efficient as you possibly can yeah. in school. These little so tweaks. That, yeah. yeah. So you can leave at when you need to leave and Definitely. not just <laughs> I, emails are a, are, a, are a thing as well i i have set times normally Good. when i check my emails 
and and then if I have loads of emails, sometimes I'll have 30 emails in my email box, but I'll have lessons to plan and marking to do. My planning and marketing is priority. And I always think of it as if it's that important, someone would come and find me to tell me or ask me to do something. And I always make sure, because I also know for me personally, my anxiety comes when I don't teach good lessons. And when I go to my lesson um, that I'm prepared, like especially theory mm-hmm. lessons or for A-level, GCSE, BTEC, sports studies, you know, you've got to be prepared. And so I will prioritise that over reading emails even though there might be an important thing on there, for, but it's, I think I'm a teacher first and foremost. Um, yeah. And then I deal with it, but I still check them, but I just make yeah. sure that I am okay. Self-care, I guess, is a bit of that um, in school. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I always, it always kind of pains me when I hear about teachers that have got their school email on their on their personal smartphone so that they're coming through um, all the time. And, and I realise there are definitely people in positions in school where they need that and they, they do need to be, um, to, to have it wherever they are. For head teachers, for example, they would be checking their email for sure. But I think if you're a, a teacher, um, there's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it can wait until you're next in school, you know. People say, oh, I got this email at seven o'clock in, in the evening. And I say, well, you didn't have to read it then. Like, just, just, yeah. you should, I don't think, I personally don't think um, teachers need to be checking their email off, uh, in the evenings. It can wait until the morning. They're like I said, if it's really working, urgent. Aren't they? If you're checking an email, that's still work. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And we know that just kind of um, refresh, clicking refresh on your, on your inbox is just, it's not a good thing to be doing. And, and it's across um, lots of other professions, isn't it, where yeah, they've yeah. just got the email inbox open and constantly flicking back and forth between it. Um, I think that's I mean, the, mo- the um, email on a phone is a really interesting one because I never used to do it. And then mm. I've just recently upgraded from an iPhone 5, which struggled to turn on, to an iPhone 11. <laughs> So it's a bigger screen, it's more comfortable. And so this year, for the first year ever, I've started using my phone to check my emails, but I don't have the notification on, whereas I know a lot yeah, of people Yeah, that's do. a good one. So yeah. I will, um, let's say sometimes in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, I might, if, I have, if I'm having my breakfast, I might click on my email to then um, just see if there's anything on there, which I wouldn't advise people to do. But for me personally, that does work because I can, because often I've got to drop my daughter at school, what I do every day at the moment. So I'm not get I'm getting into school about 15 minutes before I have to be with my tutor group. So mm. if, I, if I waited until that time to check my email, there might be something I need to do or share my tutor that I haven't quite seen yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I won't check my email when I get into school. So I, I give myself sort of set times, and I so I'll try and be efficient, but I won't. I won't check them in the evening or weekends. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a, a big no no. But it's it's actually helped me to have them on my phone because I can access them quicker than loading up a computer. So I'm actually mm. a bit more efficient. And sometimes walking between lessons, I will quickly 
get my phone out and, and check my emails on my phone just to, so that if I can delete some or just keep on top of them. But, uh, I mean, that is a problem in itself, that there's loads of emails that are irrelevant to members of staff. Um, that but, can happen, yeah. yeah but, yeah, so I, I think the email thing is a, is a, is a funny, old, funny old culture. Um, definitely, but, that could be a whole other topic, couldn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, right. I, I think this would be a good point to kind of come back to a couple of things that you mentioned before, because you touched upon some of the things that helped you um you, you know while you were off work um things that you discovered and then things that you have now continued to uh, apply if i'm understanding correctly and so you talked about stoicism which i thought was really interesting how you mentioned that um you talked about meditation and and a, and a, and a book that really helped you as well so i know you you touched upon them but maybe it would be if if it well it would be great if you could um expand on a couple of those things a little more um so for example uh, yeah finding stoicism and i always find that so fascinating that yes what these philosophers were saying 2500 years ago are still so relevant today um and it's just it's it's great to look at some of those words isn't it and just they jump off the page at you and think yeah that's absolutely true and if it can just give people a bit of a different mindset in the way that they approach their work and their personal life that can be really really valuable but you also mentioned meditation so i'd I'd love to hear a bit more about how that has helped you and and now what do you do to kind of integrate into your school day as well and i don't know just just anything else that you think might be valuable to to share with the people listening that that's that helped you during that time and continues to help with your well-being yeah sure um so i think there's five main things that i do on a consistent basis that that really help me keep my mental fitness strong i guess um Mm. i mean i'm not going to talk about exercise but that is that is one of them as well um but in terms of stoicism there's the the thing that when i sort of read about this in darren brown's book called happy thing that stood out for me the most was one of the ancient greek philosophers called epictetus used to teach a an idea that you should only direct emotional energy into two things those being your thoughts and your actions because everything else is totally outside of your control and that when so there was a list that of things like how other people um sort of think of you whether someone turns up and what to work on time and then i started to personalize it to school thinking whether the children do their homework whether the children are actually uh whether they reach their target grade all of those things are not directly in the control of of the person the teacher whereas how you think how you and how you act are totally 
in your control and if you free yourself from everything else and just think right how do I feel about this how do I think about this situation and what can I do to um, act positively um, is is really really interesting and it it also sort of links in with a book called a brilliant book that I've read years ago and there's so much science in it although it's not referenced it's a book called the fish philosophy or maybe it's just called fish philosophy I'm not sure and it uh, have you ever read it Sam have you heard of no, this no 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 I it's, think I'll uh, be hooked it, it's, it it's a very short book which um is ideal for me um because I, I don't like reading long books I've got loads of books I'm like halfway through um but this book is it talks about um pike place i think it is in america of, of, of fish mongers and how everyone in there i don't know if it's a fictional story or whether it's true but it's written in a story fashion it's brilliant but how they do four things to be happy and one of those things is that they choose their attitudes so these these guys working with fish you could say isn't the best most glamorous job but they all love it and they go to work each day in control of their attitude, deciding to feel happy, deciding to feel grateful for having a job, to feel um, feel sort of uh, uh, yeah happy. I guess I. Mm-hmm. Been a while. I'm, I'm going off the cuff here. It's been a while since I've read the book, but it, it's you are in control of the way you think, and if you choose to think negatively, that's up to you. And if you choose to think positively or compassionately or empathetically, that's also up to you. And sometimes it's our brains have a natural negative bias that comes from uh, our ancestry sort of survival instincts or fight or flight or freeze that kind of thing but so we do have to work hard to think positively but it is ultimately our choice and and then what can you do so off the cuff a a little example in school I, I guess if if students are something that affects everybody when a child is misbehaving in your lesson is is very very difficult and is disrupting the learning of everybody else and it's very difficult you can choose to feel negative emotions towards that child and in many ways that's a human reaction um but then you can that only makes you feel worse so you could flip that and choose to feel compassionate with that child and think, well, why, why is that child behaving the way they are? And what's going on in their life right now that maybe is unbalancing them? And then in terms of actions, think, well, what can I actually do to try and resolve that situation? And it may be talk to the child. That may be not. It may be um get support from senior leadership or anything else uh, it may be say to somebody i cannot have this student in this class because they're either unsafe or they're affecting the learning of other people i've done this this and this um i'd love to have them there but they're not but so many teachers just sort of do battle on trying those sending them out every lesson and not taking action but getting so stressed themselves about the whole situation mm. when they, they don't need to carry that stress. Um, so that's the stoic fork of control. And I think the, there's loads of things in life. Like whenever something unbalances you, you can just turn to it. Um, and I, I turned to it when, when my mum died last year. 
and it, it was a real grounder for me because I thought, okay, she's she she's died, and I was lucky enough to be there when she took her final breath. And you know, following that, I, I was and I had counselling before she died because I was aware that it would unbalance me, so I was proactive about that and, and had counselling. But when she died, I was like, okay, well, I can choose to feel sad and angry and all of those emotions, which on some days I allowed myself to feel like that because I think that's a big part of grieving. But yeah. then on the most part, I, I've i tried to feel grateful that I had my mum for 57 years, or well, not in my life, but 30, 33 years of my life. I, I had the most wonderful mum and try and sort of turn things to be more positive. And, you know, my my actions, I, I write to my mum sometimes. I, I wrote her a letter the other day just about my emotions. I journal and reference her and, and that makes me feel good. And so they're the ways that I'm sort of taking control over that grief, I guess. Um, so that's the stoic fork of control. Um, and there are so many other things. There's one thing that, <laughs> that I did read that I tried and I just didn't, didn't suit me. The Stoics are, are quite um, black and white. <laughs> and it, 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 was, it was like dealing with death or something like that. And it's, it's, one of them was look at your child and say you're, you're not going to be here tomorrow. And I guess the, you're going to die tomorrow or something like that. And I, I did that and I practiced that. And I looked at my, my daughter and I think the idea is to be presently grateful for the moment right now and, and release yourself from things that you can't control, that kind of thing. But I was like, do you know what? No, I don't want to yeah. do that. If, if that happens, it happens and I, and I deal with it. But that, 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 that was a stage too far. So I think with stoicism, there's, you've got to, um, one has to read it stoic texts with a bit of um modern day thinking i think mm. and take what's relevant for yourself but certainly there's so much relevant stuff that over yeah. you know two 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 and a half thousand years ago yeah it's incredible um so that's that. no, that's great yeah and, and sharing those two practical examples really practical examples of how you've applied it is really is really great right? so thank you for for sharing that and yeah like you said like so many things and including meditation which we'll touch on in a second some of these things are can seem uh, a bit out there a bit new um um and kind of other people might not have come across them before and you know i come across um things so i'm like oh hang on a minute i'm not sure about that and it's just but it, it's still it, it all helps doesn't it if we're opening our mind to these things and this is another thing i think it's so important to get across to to staff is to is to, to all of us it's just to, to broaden our minds and then think about um all the different approaches that other people take towards these things you know if you look at the way buddhists approach death and and christians and muslims and, and different religions it, it all could seem very different to the way that we would interpret it or react to it but it's just so worth um 
reading up on it, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, and not just in the case of of, of someone dying, but um, other examples as well. If we just open our mind and, and just give things a try, for sure. Like what what would work for me, and I'll, I'll just dip my toe in this thing and this other thing, and and if it helps you, then then go with it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I think give give things a go. Don't mm. I, I've learned that. I mean. Uh, if someone said to me when I was an NQT, oh, you should meditate, I'd be like, do one. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you, and, but uh, I think that's why I'm quite passionate about sharing these things um, because I was that guy who didn't want to do these things. But I think maybe if I did, I wouldn't have ended up the way that I did. Um, mm. So there's, there's four more things. Um, there's some, um, uh, yeah, they're, they're all, so, next one is is have have your weekend and holiday off i think i said that earlier and yeah i mean there's there's studies that say if you work more than 40 hours a week you're at risk of becoming burnt out and i calculated that if if a teacher and i think so many teachers would work these hours if you turned up at school at 7 a.m and left at five that's 10 hours so if you monday to friday that's 50 hours a week and I would imagine that senior leaders uh, will be most touching on those sort of hours. And that's just a lot of hours. Um, yeah, and that's just in school as well. That's not exactly. including you the little about bits. emails and things and yeah. it's, you know, the work that people do at home and, and I, it may vary between school to school, but I think I've found a document that said that we're actually only contracted about 32 and a half hours per week. Con- contact time mm. so I, could, I don't think i've ever worked 32 hours a week um but that's what the government are saying we should be able to do our jobs in so let's if we work 50 hours then the you know the, i don't know we're sort of that when do we stop I, I think you have to sort of try and draw the line the best you can but it's difficult mm. um but be have your weekends and holiday off and plan them as well that's what i'd so my weekends i will try not right now because having a young baby is very difficult to plan anything but certainly used to actually plan things in for myself plan things in with my family put them in our shared google calendar so my wife and i both know what's going on but just plan not to work because i think a lot of the problem is with with teachers is when you're at home and you haven't got anything to do it's so easy just to mark some work to get ahead of the game um but if you've planned in already some nice things see friends do some hobbies specifically watch a film go to the cinema whatever it might be i think that um that that helps well it it certainly helps me anyway Mm -hmm. um the sunday blues this is um something i think all teachers might get in maybe not on sunday but um but i had it for years and sunday afternoon you're starting to think about monday morning and concerned about the lessons and things like that and i can honestly say since returning to work i have never had sunday blues and Mm. this is my strategy and this particular my personal one is i stay late on a friday now this doesn't appeal to most people, um, I can imagine, <laughs> but I often don't leave work until about six thirty on a Friday, 
but what I do is I run a running an athletics club on a Friday after school. So I know it doesn't matter what I've had during the week. I've got an amazing a club with amazing students turning up, and I, and I often do exercise with them. I often do some running with them. So I, I get some exercise. I run a club. I'd see some fabulous kids, and they always make me feel great. So it's a completely selfish thing. Um, <laughs> And then that finishes about 4, 4.30. And then I go sit at my desk and I make sure that I'm fully planned for the next week. I try and do this as most people do through the week, but often you never quite get it nailed. So I just sit down and make sure I've got no emails in my email box. I'll just make sure I know what I'm doing for the next week, certainly for that the Monday. And then I will put the week to bed. I'll leave it at yeah. school. So if I'm not home at seven to until seven, that sometimes is the case, which might not work for a lot of people. But I know that when I'm home, I'm present and I'm not, my mind is not thinking about anything else. So the moment that I walk through that door, I can switch off until the moment that I walk through the door at school on Monday morning, knowing that Monday morning, I walk through the door, my registers for my practical lessons are there ready to go. My resources and plans are there for all my theory lessons. So every lesson sorted, I don't have to do any resourcing, any planning on Monday morning. That means, so I don't have to think about it. So I know I've done the thinking before. So that has literally changed my weekends. I don't have mm-hmm. Sunday blues ever. Um, I now try and do that on Thursday so I can leave early on a Friday. And But I think it depends on timetabling and PPAs and things like that. But get get ahead um, and make sure you don't plan to work at the weekend. I think that's the key message there. Mm. Um, so that's, number, that's uh, number three. And then my last two, um, I mean, mindfulness meditation is, and I now want to experiment with different types of meditation. Um, but that would be, I think, one of my biggest things because it's so easy. You just download an app and start start listening to someone. And the science behind meditation and the how it changes the chemistry, the anatomy, the physiology of your actual brain in a positive way is just mind blowing. And I'm not going to go into that now because that it's, that would take an hour in itself as, as, <laughs> as you're aware, but yeah, it's, uh, I started it. I loved it. And I'm trying to get as many people doing it as, as possible because anyone who's tried it is no one says it has a negative effect. I have heard that some people try it and they're not quite in the psychological space to do it. So they have some quite dark thoughts. Um, so it, it, if you're struggling, I'd say get professional help before and if it doesn't work for you. But I'd say if anyone feels mentally well, they feel on top of their game, well, try and feel better and meditate because it will. You, I, I think it's, yeah, that I, I would encourage everyone and anyone to do it. And then my last one, possibly the easiest and most powerful is three good things mm. and it's um similar to gratitudes uh, but i think i'd see a difference between the two but just at the end of each and every day 
either write down, journal or verbalise with someone else in your house. Um, just three things that have gone well in that day because we all come home. Well, I don't anymore, but I certainly used to and I know that many people do come home and just offload the negative things of the day on the people in your house uh, or who you live with. And just is so negative. And instead of doing that, if you share three things that went well, then that changes the um, neurons that are firing in your brain and it releases serotonin and it just makes you feel good and it puts you in, in the right place. And it, it there's again, there's so much science behind that as well. Um, so, yeah, there's... Five things there. So to recap, practicing the stoic fourth of control when you sort of feel stressed about a situation, try and work out, sort of change the way you think about it and, and work out what you can do to take back control. Um, have your weekends and holidays off by sort of planning nice things to do, mm. being present in those times. P- number three, plan your next week before the weekend so that you're not worrying about the week ahead on Sunday and and that is something that for me anyway prevents Sunday blues might not work for everybody but it certainly does for me number four mindfulness meditation get on it it is a game changer (laughs) and number five three good things um just reflecting and and you know with that I've, I've worked with people I've coached people at school um, I'm training to be a, a wellness coach at the moment and I've invited people to, to try this and practice this and and they've really struggled with writing down three positive things a day. So I've started with just one positive mm. thing and that has been really powerful and then building to two um, and it doesn't always have to be three but certainly reflecting on what's gone well and celebrating that instead of dwelling on the things that are not going well is 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 a powerful thing so um yeah those those are the five things and and of course um as a PE teacher I I I exercise a lot I'm not the fittest person in the world at all I'm not particularly fit if I'm honest but I feels so good after exercise and I'm I'm classing a walk around the block as exercise as well not uh, yeah. just you know if I come home and I'm a bit stressed out for one reason or another I don't feel that balanced I will take the dog um, for a walk around the block and um, then I, when I come home I very rarely feel worse mm-hmm. and most of the time I feel better um, going to the gym do go for a cycle ride whatever movement is is good but um yeah that that definitely is a is a sixth one that, that i practice a lot but sorry i sort of um went on quite a bit there but um, not at all yeah not they are all. they're certainly the things that that i've changed in my life because i never used to do those yeah. before um apart from the exercise but i was exercising for the wrong reasons um right. and i do those things and I would honestly say I've never been mentally stronger in my life. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, absolutely love all five of those points. What great, um, what great tips, very practical. These are such simple things that people can introduce, aren't they? And they're not expensive. They don't have to take long, you know, three good things can take 
less than a minute perhaps um mindful meditation we know that you, you start with a minute can't you a person yeah. could start with a minute it's it's sometimes people think oh if i start meditating that means i've got to be there for 20 minutes to an hour um, or perhaps you've got to go to this silent retreat over for a, a weekend or something and Sam, do you know what i think that's a really good point to make yeah. that yeah. a lot of people me included i think is me as an nqt who would tell someone to do one if they told me to meditate is mm there's a lot of misconception about what meditation is and it doesn't Definitely. have to be sitting cross-legged on the top of a mountain with your, 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 your fingers and thumb touching turned upwards. That's exactly hum- your, this is exactly what we um, shared as a social media post. Um, not, not that long ago, I think about a week ago, really? and it was exactly that, that when you go on, if you type in meditation in the internet, that's the image that you'll get, isn't it? Um, and, and don't get me wrong sometimes i do meditate on the floor cross-legged um, yeah. because it's a it's a it's a position to be in that you 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 can't fall asleep whilst doing that because exactly you have, like, yeah there's, there's a reason why yeah for but, sure but. sometimes i lie on the floor on my back and I, and it's comfortable and i close my eyes and i go through the meditation thing sometimes i, I, I sit on a chair mm. and i think ultimately it's about just being at one with your body and trying to quieten your thoughts. Um, yeah. But it might not be proper meditation, but sometimes if if my mind is busy and it's there's lots of thoughts coming in, I give it a bit of time just to talk to me. And then I listen to all these busy thoughts if I've you know got sort of things on at work and things like that. And sometimes I'll get a really good idea through it and then I will sort of just go, right, okay, I'm going to just focus on my breathing now and leave those thoughts away. So if, if I've got a busy mind, I sort of allow it time to exercise. And, yeah. and then well, that's it. And, and it's, it's also it. allowing um, to, to be creative. It's allowing our mind to daydream every so often yeah. because we don't do that anymore, do we? we? We're always looking for a distraction. There's no time to daydream because we check our phone or our email or the TV goes on or something. And so... Part of it is certainly that, yeah, just just letting your mind wander for a bit. And then the other thing is just, as you then said, to bring it back to your breath or bring it back to whatever point of focus it is. That's where kind of the magic happens, isn't it? That's that's the training where you keep bringing it back and keep um, reorientating your focus. And that's how we see those improvements and it won't necessarily happen in a week. It could be months down the line. It could even be years down the line. But I mean, we, we say it's just like training for a marathon or something, isn't it? We can't expect to run a marathon on day one and we're not going to make all the improvements, but if we just build up slowly and if we're consistent then that's how we can see some real results. (laughs) Yeah. And, And the headspace app is free for teachers it is isn't it yeah so yeah. there's um the, there's the resource there i think you have to put in your school and the, i think there's a bit of admin around it but if yeah you, if you go on the website it's i don't use the the app any any more personally i might come back to it but um but yes and it's so good that app mm. um i i found it um really helpful because yeah. the first basic pack which is free to download initially anyway is just yeah. like three minutes and it just talks you through um everything and yeah it's, i couldn't recommend it enough yeah that's a really good one in insight timer is another really good one as well there's lots of 
guided meditations on there and it's got a just a meditation timer with the bells and things um if you do just want to to do it yourself as well oh right well i think we we might start to wrap up there because um well but to, to end on those five points well six if you count a bit of exercise at the end as well yeah. um it's just really really fantastic um thank you so much for sharing your story chris um and offering those those five tips at the end as well it's which I think are really pleasure. valuable oh excellent i've got one more question for you before i let you go though and we, we've just started asking all of the guests on the teach strong talks podcast this um so it's going to be interesting the the variety of answers we get but our question to you is if you could go back to school and choose anyone to be your teacher who would it be Ray Mears. Okay. I, I just, I love bushcraft. It's something that I, and camping and often go sort of hammocking and practice some bushcraft with, with some friends and one of my cousins. And, but I, I remember watching and it was quite an old bit of footage, Ray Mears. He spent a week in Canada with a native Canadian building a a canoe a week about 10 hours a day building this canoe out of natural materials and i remember what and this was before i got ill i remember watching it thinking what are you doing mate you're spending a week <laughs> and then he he then put it in the in the um in the river and then just slowly really slowly went down the river and it was just saying how wonderful it, it was but i realized and i realize now that actually what he was referring to is sort of mindfulness and being in the moment and enjoying the journey and this is the key thing is not i'm building a canoe in order to get from a to b to arrive at b i'm building a canoe because it's just a lovely thing to do and mm. i'm not even that worried about actually having a canoe at the end of it i just want to enjoy learning the skills required to create this wonderful canoe out of natural materials and i think there's a lot to be learned in terms of goal setting and purpose and enjoying the journey rather than striving to get to an end goal in order to be successful that we can learn from Ramis and going back to the natural world and sort of embracing that and and relaxing a little bit more into into life so i think he's got a lot that he could could teach us so i would well i'd love to go back to school or even now be taught by Ramis. love it what a great answer i have to say it threw me <laughs> okay but then your reason i can completely understand now your reason was was fantastic so absolutely right i'll see what i can do i'll get on the phone to ray <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be amazing. laughs> right well it has been a, an absolute pleasure chris um uh, well actually one more thing if people would like to connect with you you're on twitter aren't you how can they connect with you yeah sure so um my uh, twitter handle is at your mind fitness and um, people can sort of connect with me there um, give Fantastic. me a follow I, I 
I've got a blog link that I I write about a lot of the things that I spoke about today. Yeah. Um, just just thoughts that that I have really, and then try and find some science to back those thoughts up mm. <laughs> later on, which seems to be <laughs> work for me. Um, and yeah, that's probably the, the. I am on Instagram as well. I think um, your your mind fitness on on Instagram, but I, I'm not um, as as present on there as I am on on Twitter. So, yeah, the Twitter community for teachers is fantastic. So I'd say that's probably the best place for people to give me a follow or and give me a message. Um, that would be that would be great. Happy to to share thoughts and help people if they are they are in need. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Right. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Excellent. I'm sure we will connect again very soon. Looking forward to it. So another huge thank you to our guest, Chris Misselbrook. Please, if you found this conversation useful or if you have a colleague, friend or family member who could be helped by listening to all the advice Chris offered, please do share. If you are interested in exploring some of the approaches that Chris mentioned, such as meditation, as well as mindfulness and gratitude, then do check out our latest online course, The Inner Wellbeing Course. This bite-sized course empowers school staff with resources and steps to integrate these practices into a busy school day, with the aim of reducing stress and anxiety and feeling calmer, happier and more connected. All of our courses can be purchased by individuals or by a school for their staff. More details can be found on our website, social media or email us at info at teachstrong.co.uk. Thank you for joining us for today's episode and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.